The scripture this morning is Matthew 27, 1 through 10. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since they are blood money. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, that, fail, that field is still called the field of blood to this day. When they fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one on whom a price had been set, on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. We are going through the book of Matthew, and we are really getting toward the end of it. We've been on the book of Matthew for, boy, I think it's been over a year now. Uh, what we like to do is we like to take actual books and just go through them and just tear them apart and see, dig into them and, and see what, it's, uh, what God's telling us uh, through the, these books. And this is one that um, is uh, a person that is not actually mentioned that much. Uh, Judas Iscariot, we know he's one of the few people in the, the gospel of the disciples that's actually kind of given what we might think of as a last name, although it's not really a last name. In the, in the town, uh, the time of the gospels, people didn't really have last names. Uh, but we don't know a whole lot about Judas. We do know from the scripture that he was the official treasurer of the group. And we also know that he, from time to time, would steal from that treasury. Now, as far as his, what we think is his last name, sometimes that sounds like uh, Ishkaroth. It means uh, man of Karash. So it'd be like, uh, uh, like Da Vinci. It is, uh, he is Leonardo from Da Vinci, you know, things like that. Um, Mary Magdalene was Mary from Magdalene. Uh, so this uh, means that and this is speculation, that he was from a town uh, in the tribe of Judah, Kiroth. And so he would have been kind of a, uh, as far as the group, most of them were from like the Galilee area. He would have been uh, outside of that. There's another theory, too, that the Iscariot actually identifies him with the Sicarii. Uh, the Sicarii were one of history's very first trained assassins. I believe they even predate ninjas and things like that. They were Israeli um, terrorists, really. Uh, the reason I call them terrorists is because they were so zealot against Rome that they would, uh, 
try to incite anger among the Israelites, which means that sometimes they would actually do crimes against their own folks in order to try to raise them up in anger. There's a, there's a part where they, um, they basically stole the entire food supply of a neighborhood in order to make them hungry enough to try to fight Rome. They would try to do these things and blame it on Rome. Uh, they were trained assassins. They used to carry these knives with them, and they would blend into a crowd, and they would kill somebody, and then quickly back up and blend into the crowd. This is what they were known for. So some theologians think that uh, Judas was an outsider from out of town. Some think that he was part of this group, uh, which means that he uh, was not somebody that uh, was uh, afraid to uh, push buttons in order to manipulate a group of people. Now, uh, we don't know, to be honest. We honestly don't know. The Bible is filled with historical things that we can uh, mark and we can, through archaeological and study and all of this kind of stuff, we can, we can find things, uh, but then a lot of it is a bunch of theologians sitting around a table, uh, usually arguing over what they think it is, uh, giving opinions. Can I share my opinion with you? Uh, I am by no means a, 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 a deep uh, theologian, I'm not even a deep thinker, but... Um, I believe a little bit of both of those. I believe there was a reason that Judas did what he did. Now, the Bible, especially the, the book of John, talks about the devil entering Judas and causing him to do this. Now, I, we like to portray that as, here's this innocent guy walking down the street and all of a sudden just bam, you know, he's just, now he's suddenly Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. But I think that the, when, when Satan, whatever you want to call it, convinces us to do something, sometimes it's a little bit more gradual. Sometimes it's a little bit more subtle. Sometimes it's a little bit, a, a series of manipulation. Uh, sometimes uh, misdirection. And over time, you start to believe things. Most people in history that committed bad things thought that they were doing the right thing. That's how the devil convinces us. Hitler thought that he was doing the right thing. Isn't that amazing? Judas at one time thought that he was doing the right thing, but something changed. Something changed where he is now feeling the remorse. But at the time, he really thought he was doing the right thing. Now, the thing that changed to me, let's just paint a picture. Judas grew up, wherever he grew up, he grew up under Roman persecution. He was part of a place where he saw people persecuted. And he saw people trying to tell other people that they needed to fight the Romans. And the only way that you could defeat the Romans was through sheer might. There were sometimes um, uprisings. There were sometimes people like the Sicarii. There were sometimes just people like uh, rebels that would occasionally try to go up against the Romans, and Roman would just squash them back down. They had crucifix a long time before Jesus. Now, this is the, the time that Judas was, was raised, and he was also raised being told that one day a Messiah would come, a chosen one from the lineage of King David. 
And most people at that time did not expect what they got. Most people at that time, when they heard about the Messiah, they compared it to David. David was a warrior. David won wars. He was a feeler, he was a thinker, but he won wars. And they were expecting somebody to come and defeat the Romans. This is what Judas was raised with. And so by the time that he's in his, oh, maybe 20s or so, he is filled with this, we've got to fight the Romans. The Romans are the bad guys. The only way to defeat them is through violence. And the Messiah that comes is going to defeat them through violence. And now for three years, he's hanging around Jesus. And he doesn't really get it. Because Jesus hasn't moved yet. Jesus, uh, during this Roman occupation, is not done much. Instead of fighting the Romans, he's, he's telling them, if you get hit, turn the other cheek. He, he's saying, love your enemy. He's actually working with and healing friends of centurions, Roman soldiers. Now, for Judas, this is very, very odd. And this is not what he signed up for. The things that he had heard all his life were just the opposite. And he was convinced that it only took a violent way to defeat the Romans. And for him, the talking of the kingdom, much like everybody else, the, the thought of big picture things, of long eternal things, many of the disciples did not understand this. They lived in the here and now. And they thought that Jesus was going to fix things in their lifetime. We know that Jesus did, but not the way that they were thinking he was going to. They thought that Rome would be defeated. That was their thought of thinking. The Messiah comes. We have been overtaken by Rome. This guy's going to annihilate Rome. We will be victorious, and Jerusalem will rise again. Jesus, as we know, was talking about something far, far greater than that. But for Judas, growing up, knowing this immediacy, he had a hard time believing something outside of that. You know, sometimes we can spin things. Sometimes we can share. Uh, we, today we, we know it as propaganda where you do everything that you can to convince people of your side. And before Jesus was even taken away, the religious leaders of the time had started that spin. They were telling people that this guy was not who he says he is. And when you were raised with the propaganda of the only way to be victorious is through violence, and you start to listen to the religious leaders that you were raised to follow all of your life saying, this isn't him. People like Judas are thinking, maybe it's not. Maybe this guy isn't him. But if he is, if he is this person, maybe I need to do something to get started. Maybe I need to do something. 
And after a while of hearing all of this propaganda of violence is the only answer, of hating the other side is the only answer, of Jesus preaching love is definitely not the answer, Judas slowly becomes a puppet to the propaganda. He starts to believe it. And he starts to think whether he was part of the rebellious group or not, he starts to think like them. If I turn this guy in, it'll force his hand. That's what he needs. We've been walking down the street. He's been preaching stuff, and he's been scolded and criticized and everything like that, but nothing's actually happened to him to actually threaten him yet. If I do this, if I actually turn him in and they actually capture him, will Jesus become that warrior that we all thought he was going to be? Will this force his hand, and will he call down those angels and defeat this once and for all? That's what I need. I need to manipulate this. I need to turn this. Because the entire time, Judas is thinking, this is not the warrior that we need. But part of him is believing, well, maybe he is, if I can just get something started. So he turns in. Jesus. Now, up until this time, he thinks he's right. But what happens? Nothing. Jesus is now bound. He is not fighting back. He is taken away. For a person like Judas, the warrior never appeared. So now, Judas is thinking, oops, Maybe everything that I've been taught here is wrong. Maybe it's during this time that he actually starts to think back to the three years that he spent with Jesus, and he starts to think back of all of these messages of peace and kindness and welcoming the stranger and loving your enemy. And maybe it's then when he starts to realize He's not the warrior I thought, but he might be something else. And that's when he starts to realize that he's wrong. And that's when he starts to realize that he is guilty. Now he wants nothing to do with it. He takes his money back to the religious leaders and he says, I, this is an innocent person. This is not, the, nothing happened. This is not happening. Just... They take your money back. And the religious leader is the one that did the spinning, that were telling him that he's not the Messiah. Rather than trying to prove to him their point, they just said, what is this to us? You worked the way we wanted you to. We're done with you now. And Judas is so, so remorseful but yet his programming is still that of violence. He still has been programmed through propaganda, through falsehoods, all his life that violence is the only solution, so much so that his solution to his own agony is an act of violence. Only turned against himself now, and he takes his own life. That's just a theory. But I do know that in our world today, 
there is a lot of propaganda. There are a lot of folks that will believe something on face value, that will believe things that maybe are not true. And those same voices are still saying the same thing. Here's the problem, but the solution is to hate these guys, to point out who your enemy is, and yes, even to use violence against them. And just like Judas, we're still falling for it. There seems to be, there's a part of us that, that, that hungers so much for an easy answer. Because the world can be scary sometimes. <laughs> More than sometimes. And so when somebody says, you know what? I know you're afraid, but here's the answer. It's their fault. Put all your rage against them. That's your answer. We sometimes, primally, we find comfort in that. We find comfort in the easy answers. And sometimes that propaganda over the entire run of our lives does have an impact. So much so that people have done things that they regret. Call it the devil entering them. But it is a gradual way of giving in to hate and violence. You know, there's things in our world today that we still believe, even as children, we were taught a long time ago. Let's, let's do a little bit of a history lesson, okay? Let's look at Napoleon Bonaparte. When we think of Napoleon, do we think short guy, right? Little bitty man, you know? Napoleon was 5'6". The average height of people at that time, 5'5". Five, five. Napoleon was actually tall. But when the opposition started to do political cartoons, yes, political cartoons at that time, they started drawing images of him as a small man because they were saying that he's insignificant. How long ago was this? And to this day, it worked. We still believe that Napoleon was this little short guy. I'm 5'6", yeah, technically he was, yes, he's still short, but then not so much. Paul Revere, what do we know? There's a really nice poem. Let me tell you the story of Paul Revere. British are coming, writing, writing there, British are coming, British are coming. Never, ever yelled it. For the simple fact, one thing is, is that the, the, the uh, people that Paul Revere, the rebels, whatever you want to call them, they considered themselves British. It would be like me coming in here and yelling, the Americans are coming. If anything, what he was yelling was the regulars are coming because it was the regular army that was coming. But Paul Revere never yelled it because if you yelled things, it gave things away. Paul Revere was a messenger. His job was to go over here, knock on the door, and say, the regulars are coming. Get ready. And he would go to another door. I think you said he was a blacksmith, right? Yes. Silversmith. Silversmith, yes. And he worked as a messenger. He was paid for this. He was also, you know, you also see these, uh, these statues. Uh, and there's one in Boston that uh, has been there for, for many years. 
uh, of this very slim guy riding through, and they always show him young, and he's yelling on this wonderful horse. Paul was a middle-aged, stout is what he called himself, uh, old guy. And he said the biggest trouble that he had is after he gave word, he had to move a trunk uh, across a field, and it was very hard for him because he was a middle-aged guy. And he did do a lot of brave things, but he never yelled this. That's propaganda that started from a poem that was written many years later to help, uh, to help stir nationalism when it came to the Civil War. Paul Revere also did not write alone. There were many messengers in this time. The only reason that Paul Revere's name is revered is it rhymes. That's true. The other names were a little bit too difficult to rhyme. So the poet that did this, uh, you will hear about Paul Revere. Spanish flu, 1918, killed millions. Why do you think it was called the Spanish flu? I assume if you ask anybody off the street, they're going to say, well, it probably started in Spain. <laughs> you're, you're a teacher. You've got a teacher in the room. Originated in Haskell County, Kansas. It's easier for us to call it their flu than our flu. Research has shown that it, there were a lot of people in Spain that did die of it, but most of the research shows that it originated right here. Christopher Columbus. We're celebrating Columbus Day Monday? Or Indigenous Peoples Day? Yeah. Uh, never set foot in North America. And yet it's North America that celebrates him. He also never was out to prove that the world was round. Uh, the Greeks knew that the world was round 600 years before Christ. Uh, the Spaniards, the people that, that Paul Revere, uh, or Paul Revere, that Columbus, I'm getting my history mixed up here. They, it was common knowledge that the world was round. He was just looking for a fast passage. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin did not discover electricity. Electricity was another thing that was known. Everybody knew about it. What he, he was out to do was to, to see if uh, electricity came from lightning. And he talked about it in a letter about the experiment, but there's actually no proof that he even did the experiment. The letter actually sounds like he was referring to an experiment that had been done by somebody else. But we like to inflate things. We like to spin things. And after a while, if you say it enough times, people believe it. Now, some of this stuff is pretty innocent. But we've also done this with people of color. We've also done this with women. We've done this with people that are of different cultures. We've done this with people that are from different countries. We've done this with people that are different beliefs. We have spun over years, and some of us have grown up in communities where certain people were just hated because it was just what we were told. Sometimes that leads to people like Judas doing things they really regret. You wonder at that time if Judas was thinking, if I only dug further, if I only listened more, if I only opened my eyes just a little bit more instead of hearing the banter, 
if I actually listen to the truth? Makes you wonder. I hope that when we leave here today and we see something on either the social media or something flash or somebody says something, we take the time to really see if it's true or to see if it's just a way that somebody's trying to convince you to think a certain way. I think the more that we raise our wisdom, the more we find God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, it was once said, what is truth? Help us find it. Even if it makes us uncomfortable, help us find it. Help us seek it and help us be open to not seeing others as threats, but as neighbors, maybe even friends. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.